school counselor. Welcome back to the School for School Counselors podcast. I'm so glad to be back here with you. We missed a week last week. I don't know if you noticed, but we did miss a week. I was on a hair-raising travel adventure. My family and I traveled over our spring break for our daughter to attend a special music conference. And when we were there, we got trapped and we couldn't get back home. It's a long, convoluted story having to do with TSA lines and missed flights and overbooked flights. And it was just an absolute mess and disaster. We finally got home about, I don't know, 36 hours after we were supposed to. So all's well that ends well, right? But it was a crazy week, so we didn't get the podcast out. So I'm super glad to be back with you this week. This is my most favorite time with you ever. And I hope you're getting so much out of this and a lot of valuable information. This week, I want to talk about one of the essential components of our self-care that we often kind of think we know what it is, but we really don't realize what it is at all. So we're going to jump into what that is in just a minute. But before I get too involved in that, because you guys know when I start talking, I can go on. I want to recognize one of our podcast listeners. This is a review that uh, was sent to us from one of our listeners of the podcast. JVAB96 said, I'm a new school counselor and I feel like a sponge, constantly looking for more info to soak in. Finding this podcast was a blessing. Steph is real and helpful. She addresses what is really going on in our jobs as school counselors. The latest episode on self-compassion is so good. I have listened to it twice to try to soak it all in. The support and understanding I feel when listening to this podcast is so valuable. So thank you, JFAB96. That just means more to us than you'll ever know. And guys, remember, this is the currency of the podcasting world. We need your reviews. We need your ratings to keep us on the platforms so that they'll show our stuff to other school counselors that might need to hear this message, who might need to know that the school counseling world isn't perfect and that's okay, that there are things that we can do to function successfully within the education world without feeling depleted, without feeling overwhelmed, without feeling like we're already burned out before we started. More on that in just a minute. So thank you, JFAB96, for that wonderful review. And I hope that some of you will consider leaving your own. I would love to be able to read it on the podcast. All right, so this week, we're gonna be talking about a major component of not only your self-care, but of your professional wellness. It's something that we're always told is our responsibility. We really need to take care of ourselves. We need to make sure that we're checking all the boxes so that we don't fall victim to burnout, right? Burnout looks like emotional exhaustion. It looks like a, a lack of professional efficacy. It looks like detachment from your students, just feeling like, man, it doesn't matter anyway. What I does doesn't change anything. Why am I even doing this? When you hit that stage of your career, you know it's burnout. And a recent study, 2022, by Bardashi and team, found some novice school counselors already suffering from burnout. And y'all, those guys are just getting started and they're already feeling burnout. So what does that tell you about our field? Number one, 
it tells us it's difficult, right? This is no walk in the park. But secondly, we have got to do a good job of supporting and sustaining one another as we seek to serve students. It's just essential. It's imperative. There can be some psychological stressors at play, right? Particularly our feelings of altruism. Uh, We feel like we should be those helpers, those fixers. And it just kind of wears us out trying to fix all the things all the time. Demographics can be a factor in your burnout as well. Difficult student populations, difficult situations, as well as the number of years that you've served as a school counselor. That's also correlated to burnout, but not in the way you'd think. So kind of keep that one in the back of your mind for just a minute. And then your work environment, your caseload, your work duties. Is your school meeting their adequate yearly progress? Is your administration supportive? All of those things are factors that go into determining whether or not you're going to be experiencing this burnout. And two, unclear roles, right? When you show up to work and you know what you're supposed to be doing, but you can't do that thing or you're not even really sure what you're going to be doing that day because it varies, right, from from moment to moment, that can really kind of bring you down and stress you out. Fry and team at 2022 did a study and they provided what's called a five-factor wellness inventory to a group of school counselors. And they wanted to look to see what was statistically significant, say that five times fast, in predicting the wellness of school counselors. Number one, years of experience. Now, some of you may think that the longer you work in school counseling, like the harder it gets, right? Because you've seen more things, you've, you've had more difficulties. It just sort of starts to wear you out. Actually, the opposite is true. The more years that you spend serving as a school counselor, the greater your sense of wellness becomes. Experienced school counselors, veterans in the field report fewer burnout symptoms and increased existential wellness. Man, think about that for a minute. So these are the folks that have really found their why. They really know why they're doing what they're doing. They really have kind of a North Star guiding all their efforts. And despite the difficulties, They know where they're headed and they know why they're doing it. Some more predictors of wellness include race, ethnicity, and gender. No surprise there. But also the amount of time spent in monthly consultation. More time spent in consultation led to greater scores in what they call creative self in this five-factor wellness inventory. And it's just the opportunity to express yourself, converse with others in your field, and just feel like people get you. Significantly correlated with better wellness scores. One quote from that study is, school counselors who are earlier in their careers may benefit from the mentoring of seasoned school counseling professionals in helping increase their meaning and purpose from a wellness perspective. Those conversations also help increase your self-efficacy, right? You know how to handle things. You know what you want to do about certain situations. 
that's also a really dynamic component of good consultation. The uh, first study that I mentioned also goes on to say a lack of preparedness and professional competence when entering the profession adds an additional stressor and leads to negative outcomes like burnout and job satisfaction. So what are they saying there? When you leave your master's program, you're not feeling overly prepared, right? Can I get an amen on that? Like you've learned all the theory, you've learned all of the you know, academic thought on the process, but you haven't really done a lot of it and you feel underprepared. You also typically have not been trained on a lot of aspects of school counseling. Perhaps you went through grad school before data-driven school counseling was a thing. I was just talking to somebody about that today. Or perhaps you didn't feel well-versed in multi-tiered systems. What the true components of positive behavior interventions and supports are, or how to run a 504 meeting, how to talk to an angry parent, all these different kinds of skills that you're going to need to progress in your livelihood, and you feel like you just don't have them, right? And so that leads to job dissatisfaction and burnout. Some people feel like, man, I mean, I guess I should know this. I don't know. Maybe it's me. Other people just get angry that nobody showed them. And often we don't have the right kinds of relationships to be able to come in and fill in those gaps on campus. That same study goes on to say there's a gap between the value of clinical supervision for school counselors' professional development and its availability and frequency in the field. Now, we all know that's very, very true. Rural school counselors, in particular, have a really difficult time with this, building their professional networks to expand access to clinical knowledge, right? Limited resource districts that are really struggling with regard to time, money, personnel, going to have a hard time getting you in for professional consultation activities. And challenging school counseling environments, the ones that you feel like you can't take your eyes off of them for a minute, right? The ones that you feel like are just a dumpster fire waiting to explode the minute you turn your back on it. High trauma programs, high crisis campuses, those are the ones that you feel like you don't even have time to engage in consultation because you're just so busy putting out all the fires. The bottom line is, though, we've got to have some good consultation in order to feel better about our roles, in order to feel a sense of wellness, competency, confidence, clarity in our role. It's essential that we find some form of professional consultation. Quality consultation for school counselors is not hopping in a social media group. I hope I didn't hurt your feelings when I said that. I know many people feel that way, but these mega groups of, you know, 10,000, 20,000 people, you ask a question and you start getting all these random responses, right? The problem is, I would wager to say almost 100%, if not 100% of those folks, have no empirical validation about the advice they're giving you right? They haven't read research studies on it. They're not familiar with best practices. All they know is their experience in their own life 
and what worked for them. And so that can often be misleading, right? It often doesn't give you all the angles or understanding of your situation. And so it's virtually the same thing as, you know, walking in downtown, right? You walk up to a guy standing on the street corner, you know, just hanging out and you look at him and you say, man, like I've had leg pain for a couple weeks now. I don't know what to do about it. And he says, I'll just put a Band-Aid on it. It'll be fine. And so you put a Band-Aid on it, but it turns out it's something much more severe, right? You have an infection or there's some sort of major injury there and you haven't addressed the problem effectively because you've just asked a stranger on the street for advice. Or maybe you look at him and you say, you know, my man, my leg's been hurting for a couple of weeks. I don't know what to do about it. And he says, man, you just haven't cut that thing off. You don't need that in your life. Just get rid of it. <laughs> also, not sound advice. But that's what folks are doing in these social media groups. It never ceases to amaze me. The kind of feedback that people can get there. I had a conversation with someone just this morning, legitimately today who was seeking some interview advice and was getting a million different answers. You should do this. No, you should do that. No, I tried that and it didn't work. I did this instead. And they told me, you know what? I'm so confused by all the responses I'm getting. So we offered them a resource to be able to help clarify. They were very grateful. And I think it just goes to show that sometimes these social media groups aren't our best avenue for feedback, and they definitely are not consultation. Quality consultation is going to include some specific things. Number one, it's going to focus on evidence-based interventions. It's not going to be, you know, I did this one time, or my counselor friend did that one time, or I think that would be the right thing, or my favorite one, download this, it's cute. Yeah, (laughs) y'all, that's never good advice. We have a podcast episode coming out very soon about that, about how cute resources statistically are the least effective. Also, your consultation needs to include contextual and process-oriented approaches for your daily school counseling activities, meaning you need to be part of a cohort of people who understand what it is you're doing. Far beyond just the mode of school counselor, they need to understand the kind of environment that you work in the kind of dynamics between you and and the staff, the kind of conversations that are being had between you and your administrators. What's that relationship like? How much latitude do you have to make decisions? How much trust do your administrators have in you? Those kinds of components that could never, ever be communicated in one brief social media post, one brief conversation at the end of a professional development presentation, or something like that. You've got to have more. And then the last one is you've got to be part of a group with high empathy. Research shows us that consultation groups with high empathy facilitate effective decision-making. Again, it goes back to people who know you and who get you. And when they get you, they can offer better feedback, which better helps you make a good decision about your next steps. This is all interplay together. And once you're able to do that, and you not only feel the support of your consultation group, but you feel like you're making good decisions, because for the most part, they're working out, 
then that threat of burnout, that fear, right, of having to leave your career that you've worked so hard for, that you've invested tens of thousands of dollars pursuing, that all that's gone. You don't have to worry about that because you know you're in good hands. According to Lyons, I'll have to give the date for you on this one, the greatest barrier for participants in consultation 100% of the time in their study was time. Folks felt like they didn't have the time to engage in quality consultation. They were too busy. They had too many responsibilities outside of work. They couldn't leave their campuses, right? Because there was so much going on, so many people depending on them, so many responsibilities, but they also didn't have the time outside of work to engage in that consultation either. What's funny is the study also found that once they got started, that time argument became almost a non-issue. Yeah. Because sometimes it's our fear of it, right? Or our expectation that we have to do things perfectly in order to be successful. And that is definitely not the case. So if you've been wishing that you had a professional consultation community, but you haven't sought one out because you've been worried about time constraints, let go of it. Just try. Just put a toe in and try it because research is telling us it's usually an unfounded fear. Those who saw some evidence-based practice consultation and exploration as an application to their broader school context and not just individuals on their caseloads were most successful in participating. So that's a lot to unpack there as well. When we take these concepts, these ideas, and we're able to extrapolate them out to an understanding of our broader school context, it does a couple of things for us. Number one, we're able to learn from situations that aren't necessarily ours, right? So in consultation, you're discussing things, you're hearing from people that are dealing with certain issues, you're able to sort of translate those over into your field without having to specifically talk about your situation. That's very valuable. Because as you begin to work through these and really develop your understanding of how you see school counseling, how you like to work, and what's appropriate for your campus, you're going to build clarity around your role. When you develop clarity, then that leads to competence, right? You're competent in your subject matter. You're able to speak on it at the drop of a hat when somebody asks a question. You know, what do you think we should do? Well, you know, best practice is this. You'll know that because you'll have it in you. Your clarity leads to competence. Your competence leads to confidence. Now you're able to have more of a voice on campus. You're not afraid to speak up. You're not afraid to make recommendations about next steps for students or for groups of students. And that confidence leads to clout. And that's when things start changing on campus. That's when you really become a mover and a shaker. People start to look toward you as a subject matter expert, and you're able to really start to craft and design a school counseling program that's best for students. It's an amazing, amazing process. So that's one thing. The other thing that I want to bring up with respect to this about sort of applying these evidence-based approaches to a broader school context is a question that I bet you've seen a lot out in the social media world. And I sound like I'm social media hating today. 
maybe I am a little bit, but I mean, just just for background knowledge, that's why we built School for School Counselors. That's why we built our School for School Counselors Mastermind, because we got tired of seeing people misled and overwhelmed in these social media forums. All right, just to be crystal clear, that is my vantage point. But asking for specific interventions for specific situations, more often than not, will hamstring you, right? These are the folks that are posting saying, does anyone have a resource for a kid that's 10 years old that just experienced the death of a close family member and now they're having separation anxiety? I mean, yeah, but wouldn't you like to know kind of a broader approach for those situations? So maybe the details are different. You don't have to download a different curriculum every time you have a different uh, presentation. Wouldn't that be awesome? That's what good professional consultation will lead you toward, where you don't need to constantly download resources. You're not constantly running off worksheets or creating new games or whatever. You're able to rely on an arsenal of evidence-based practices, and you really don't even have to think about it a whole lot because you just know what works. That gives you a lot of power in your job, right? The last thing I'll tell you is that good professional consultation supports what's called collective self-esteem. And collective self-esteem consistently correlates with psychological well-being. Well, what in the heck does that mean? Collective self-esteem is the self-esteem that you find within a group of people, all right? So in our case, it would be perhaps school counselors or perhaps your campus staff, all right? Collective self-esteem is, on the whole, how do we feel about ourselves? And an increase in collective self-esteem leads to psychological well-being. This will help prevent or at least moderate those feelings and risk of burnout. It's going to give you a higher sense of personal accomplishment and also lower feelings of depersonalization. It also helps facilitate favorable perceptions by other school personnel. All right. So that goes back to this idea of clarity, competence, confidence, clout, right? When you see yourselves in a different light, others can't help but see you in a different light as well. School counselors' views of their social group membership represents vital parts of how they perceive themselves, not only professionally, but personally. And consultation is not just for new counselors. For more experienced counselors, those of us that are a little bit more seasoned, provides some collective support, which is a significant factor in wellness, as well as validation of all that you've learned and experienced and seen, and all of the guidance that you can bring to the newer folks entering our field. It's a lovely, lovely circle. And one of our most favorite things about what we do here at School for School Counselors. I mentioned earlier, you know, we started our School for School Counselors Mastermind because we got tired of seeing so many people led astray in social media. And y'all, that's earned me some backlash for sure. Some of your leaders that are growing these mega social media groups are, <laughs> are not appreciative of my stance. And as an effect of that, I've been banned 
from a lot of large educational groups on social media because they don't agree with me. I think maybe they think I'm diverting people from them. I I really don't understand the rationale. But what I can tell you is this. My number one goal is to support, empower, and educate school counselors. That's what we aim to do with our School for School Counselors Mastermind. We want you feeling like the absolute best school counselor that you can be. And so an essential component of the mastermind are our consultation chats. We hold them every week at the same time, Tuesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern, every week. And this is our time to come together. It's our cohort of people that just know each other. We understand the ins and outs of where we're working, how things are going, what we're up against, and what what's being tackled, right? We're able to provide some um, insight as to what evidence-based is, what best practice might be. We're able to correlate that with the dynamics on campus, what that school counselor's goals are. It's just an amazing, intriguing conversation, and it happens every week. And the really cool thing about this is, you know, you might be thinking, well, you know, they already all know each other, then why would I join? Like, I'm just going to be, you know, taking everybody backwards, right? Or they don't know me. So how is that helpful? But I promise you, this is the most accepting, encouraging, and inviting group of professionals you could ever hope to meet. And we know that because we've designed it that way. (laughs) We've designed our mastermind to attract those kinds of individuals and to those relationships so that we can all benefit from each other. It's an amazing process. If you've been thinking about it, join us schoolforschoolcounselors.com slash mastermind, or you can go to the link and the show information here on this episode. We'll have a link there for you. Just click it, go on over, see what you think about it. See if it's something that you might need in your career right now, because I'm going to tell you, most of us do. Most of us do. But wherever you find your professional consultation, make sure that it has those essential components, right? that it's giving you a focus on evidence-based practices, that it is contextual and process-oriented, and that it provides high empathy, which means it has to be real relationships. And if you can do that, guys, you're going to be all set. I promise you, you're going to be destined for greatness. All right, so I'll be back again soon with another episode here on the School for School Counselors podcast. Until then, I hope you have the best week Take care.